Thank you for joining Downstate Abbey. It's a pleasure to have you tune in. And we have a special guest today who is doing a follow-up to his interview from several months ago. Um, Our guest, Tom, was unfortunately forced to move out of state to continue his career in nursing. And he was one of the thousands upon thousands of healthcare workers that were um, mandated to get a shot for COVID-19 that they were not comfortable taking for a variety of different reasons and their jobs were terminated. And I think we're approaching close to the one-year mark. If I remember correctly, I think it was around September that the, the murmurings began about how this shot was going to be forced on people that had served, you know, at that point, well over a year and a half, close to two years in a pandemic unprecedented time and unfortunately our state has lost a lot of talent because of it so i'd like to welcome tom um to just share his heart and share his journey from the time we spoke last and i guess share also what his concerns are moving forward because he sees aspects of healthcare that a lot of us don't you know unless we're living it unless we're forced to be in healthcare and immersed in a hospital setting, it's hard to imagine what's going on. So I'd like to just give him a chance to share. So thanks for joining us again, Tom. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So maybe you can bring our listeners up to speed. Um, since we spoke last, I think you were getting ready to head on to your traveling assignment, if that's if that sounds right to you. Yep. Uh, yep, that's correct. Um, you know, I basically, uh, from the last time we spoke, I did do a travel assignment, which, uh, for me, it was very difficult because I had to leave my family again, you yeah. know, because uh, I don't know if you remember from the first video, um, the first year of COVID, I had to quarantine myself away from my family for like two months. Yeah. And, you know, I had to be a father through a, a glass window uh, at my uh, grandma, uh, my mother-in-law's house. Um, this time, I literally was in another state, you know, just uh, again, kissing my kids goodbye. You know, and I was going at a time when, uh, you know, the rumors of war, because, you know, uh, I think Russia at that point just invaded Ukraine. So, like, you know, I get all the stuff on the news, like, oh, we're going to be in nuclear war. I'm like, crazy. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, 1,500 miles away from my family. Um, and if, God forbid, something happens, you know, that, that's, that's the last I'll see them, you know. So that was giving me a little anxiety to start, but, uh, you know, still said goodbyes, we did our prayers, um, and uh, that was it. I, I, I drove down there. Um, I had to do a furnace finder because the apartments out there were so ridiculously expensive that, you know, normally when you do a travel assignment, you get, you know, a certain pay and then you get, a, you know, the stipend, um, or they'll give you a free apartment, which will take away pretty much all your pay. So, like, I always usually, when I do a travel, I like to, you know, take the stipend. But I was looking at furnished apartments. The like the cheapest one I could find was like thirty five hundred dollars a month. Oh I'm like, my god! For one for a one bedroom, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I thought Florida's cheap, you know. Um, and I, I specifically picked Florida because we knew it was a free state, and my wife and I wanted to um, kind of do like a, like a fact finding mission. So uh, you know, I went down there to look at houses too while I was down there. But I got down there and, you know, two things. One, first off, it was it was a one, two, three. Like, you know, literally, you know, they interviewed me and they're like, do you, you know, do you have your vaccine card? I was like, no, I have a religious exemption. There was like a second of silence and then boom, that was it. They said, okay. 
And, you know, I literally never handed in that religious exemption, not to my company or to them. I just said I had it. That was it. They were okay with it. Um, it was so easy. Uh, so I went down there and, uh, so, you know, I thought I was going to be part of like an endoscopy team. And I get down there. I was in West Palm Beach, Florida. And, you know, it was, uh, I guess, end of February or mid February, I think it was. I think I started actually on, um, on Valentine's Day. And when I got there, I found out that I was the only endoscopy nurse. That was like, what do you know? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, threw me off there a little bit, but apparently because of COVID, um, you know, they had a lot of COVID burnout and the two older nurses were just, uh, they were done, you know, so they, they tapped out and, um, it was not a big endoscopy unit to begin with. They normally ran with like four nurses. Uh, so two, you know, retired, one went to another facility and apparently the, you know, the nurse manager of the floor got into such a bad car wreck that she's pretty much, you know, they said that she was, she's never going to return to work. Oh, um, cause she, she was going through surgery after surgery down there. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, so here we are, you know, all the doctors kind of left, you know, they went off to like other surgery centers and stuff like that. So it was very limited. Like, you know, now if you were a patient, the only person that was there in that unit was this uh, one girl, Millie, who was absolutely amazing. You know, she was the tech, but she was, that wasn't her main job. Her main job was, um, you know, she was a, a PAC, uh, PACU uh, nurse, uh, nurse's aide. And, uh, you know, she, over the year, learned endoscopy and was just, like, one of the best techs I've ever worked with. So it made it fun, you know. Um, and then, like, a week later, we got another travel nurse come in, and he lasted about a week. And then he just, like, yeah, he had issues at home, and then he left. So it was just me and Millie. You know? And, uh, you know, and um, the nurse manager of PACU was given endoscopy. So it was, like... It was difficult, you know, but uh, yeah, with the time good. I had, I was, um, you know, I kind of reorganized everything and, you know, got everything all set up because uh, towards the end of my travel uh, assignment, they had um, another nurse come in, uh, you know, to take that position. And, uh, you know, so I had it pretty much all wrapped up in a nice bowl for him and handed it off. So that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, like what I was seeing in that hospital, it was just like, it was, you know, every floor, the, the OR, the PACU, the endoscopy, like you name it, every floor I had to pick up a patient from to do a procedure. Um, it was crazy. Like they they were so short staffed. And then, you know, when I asked the question, I was like, you know, well, my, what the heck's going on? They're like, well, everybody went North, you know, for the COVID money, you know, like, um, <laughs> You know, these people were getting uh, paid, you know, to fill positions like my, like mine that I was getting approximately, I don't know, $50 an hour. They were getting paid $125 an hour to fill my position. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, and that's something yeah, I, just, I would have left too. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, I want to pause there and make mention of that because that's been a point that, that we've been trying to bring to the top of the discussion is the fact that we, we basically have disposed of qualified healthcare workers such as yourself and so now we're paying one traveling nurse the equivalent in in many cases of three times the wage 
of a, a nurse who was established in a hospital, knows the patients, knows the families. There's that continuity of care. So we've thrown all that away by getting rid of very qualified, very dedicated healthcare workers such as yourself, and then we're paying a traveler almost three times the wage. I mean, it's not sustainable. Well, it's, it's, it's actually so more unsustainable. Than that. There's a hidden cost that you don't know about travel nurses. So as a travel nurse gets $125 an hour, that means the company <laughs> equally gets $125 an hour. Oh, it's worth it. So they thought. actually were paying $250 an hour to replace me. Oh, my word. It's worth it. So they're paying five times the amount. So you could have got five nurses for the price of, you know, of, you know, uh, that travel nurse. So, oh, my God. You know. And let's let's remind everyone, too, that these nurses that, that chose to get the vaccine. They could be COVID positive and still show up to work. That's the the CDC guidelines changed at some point. I think it was late Absolutely. during the winter time. So now you can have a nurse who's COVID positive, doing a job, getting you know basically absorbing five times the amount of money to do a job that you would have gladly done, probably done even better because you're dedicated to that hospital. And again, continuity of care is huge with patient mm-hmm. outcomes. And you just, I, I just want to throw my hands up in the air, like, what, what is going on? I mean, this is madness. This is absolute madness. So thank you for that point about the agency, you know, pay, you know that cost rolled into because that's huge. And again, it's not sustainable. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's a planned decimation of healthcare. I mean, it's, it's so backwards. But um, yeah, so carry on. I didn't mean to interject, but I think it's important that people are aware of that. Yeah, so the hospitals, for the most part, didn't care. And, like, it comes down to money, you know? Like, uh, like every time they swabbed, you, you know, a patient or whatever, and, like, if you were an inpatient, you were getting swabbed, at, I think it was every three days. I think it was at every five days at one point, and then they dropped it to, like, every three days or every 72 hours. You would have to get a test. And they're getting, like, $250 a pop, you know, of these tests, you know? And, um, you know, on top of that, uh, you know, if they put COVID down as the person on their death certificate in New York, the reimbursement for that was $12,000 just for the death certificate. Now, if they were also labeled a COVID patient going into the hospital, the reimbursement was well, well higher than what the, the hospital would have made. So when you understand, like, you know, from a hospital standpoint, I wish I listened to the interview prior, but um, I don't know if I told you the last time we uh, interviewed, um, I had a co-worker, her father-in-law was dying, took three months to die in Stony Brook. And again, you know, every so many days you have to retake this COVID test, you know, the PCR test. This guy had 25 PCR tests. Oh my God. All, All the tests were negative. When they got that, and, you know, he, he was dying. He was a hospice patient, you know. He sure. probably died of, like, you know, what looked like pneumonia. And when they got the death certificate, and it said death uh, due to complications of uh, COVID, they, like, you know, like, this is, a you know, a nurse's family member, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, a, a nurse that works there. It's like, that's not the biggest smack in the face. Yeah. Like, how dare you? Like, you know, like, lie like that. You just got $12,000, Storybook got $12,000 for pissing off a family member of, you know, of a coworker, and you know, you and they did it for money because there, there's no other reason why you, you know, literally put that on. If you have 
like if you have evidence of something you bring that evidence and if it's 100 evidence that person goes to jail right but if you bring crap the the judge is gonna laugh at you but instead here you know you had evidence pure evidence that he was not covid positive and then they go ahead and say oh he's covid positive thanks for the 12 grand you know like uh, you know, like yeah. the healthcare system, like they are literally, like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Like they're they're going to be in so much trouble. You know, um, yeah, this whole thing. I mean, like you know it. I mean, it's the biggest sham. And like the PCR test as it was. I mean, the original PCR test. You know, the whole first year from the start of the pandemic. To one hour, and this is not even a joke, one hour after Joe Biden got in, that's when the World Health Organization lowered, the, you know, the PCR test, um, uh, how many times they cycle through, yeah. down to 28. Yeah. But that whole first year, they're running in at 40 cycles. Right. And Fauci's own words, anything over 28 cycles, you're always, his words, not mine, always going to have a false positive if you cycle this thing over 28 cycles. And the whole first year, there was no pandemic. They were running them at 40 cycles. Like I, That's the only thing I could really, if, if your listeners get anything out of this, understand there is your scam. They lie to you. They blatantly lie to you. Knowingly lie to you. Everybody, like when we were getting these COVID patients, they had symptoms all over the place. It's just like, how can this be COVID if this person has this and that person has that? Blah blah blah. You know, no, no, it's COVID. They got this PCR test. It's it's they're, they're positive. It's like really look like, and now that we know that it's BS. I mean, even the CDC was BS. They announced back in July of last year that they were throwing out the PCR test in December 31st of 2021 because the false positive rate was way too high. I know. They knew this. I know. I mean, it's... And, and at the time they knew this, Stony Brook, knowing the CDC did this, still made family members get a PCR test that they knew was bullshit. Yeah. Uh, every 72 hours just to come inside their hospital to see their relatives I, I who may be dying. Like, it was like, that is the biggest sham that has ever been put over us. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care if it's monkeypox, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you got all these deaths, you know, deaths from heart attacks. Like, like you know, like when I said on that, uh, that press conference up in Albany. Yeah. 650,000 people die every year in just the United States alone from heart attacks. Yeah. That every 10 years, that's 6.5 million people in 10 years are going to die from a heart attack. We don't close McDonald's, we don't close Burger King, we don't <laughs> close anything. But five people get monkeypox and you better take your vaccine, you know? It's just like, really? How many people died last year from fentanyl? 70,000? Huh. I know. Yeah, it's, I, I it's, know. Close Just... to, it's close to half a million that die of medical errors every year. And that's that's a metric that is probably higher, but how do you prove it? But um, mm -hmm. so we're going to increase the likelihood of medical errors by short staffing and un, you know, undue stress on the healthcare system in the name of keeping people safe. I mean, I mean, I'm right there with you, man. None of this makes any sense. And we're living through probably the largest grand scale crime against humanity. <sighs> of our of our time of really in world history because this was a global effort and 
it's it's just astounding. It's been astounding to watch the fumbling, the CDC. I mean, I, I just wanted to scream when they announced that you could be COVID positive as a healthcare worker and go back to work if you were vaccinated. But somebody like you, perfectly healthy, perfectly capable, treated like an outcast. I mean, it breaks my heart. I, I think that the, the trauma this has caused for people is just, it's it's unquantifiable. We could never, ever, ever use a human metric to to measure it it's just unbelievable but so you you saw so in florida their their crisis of staffing is largely because nurses there are going to make more money in the travel industry it sounds yep. like okay so people left oh and if, if they and the ones that wanted to stay local because so many people left all of a sudden boom everybody had like twenty five thousand dollars sign on bonuses you know, so they're like, well, heck, I'm going to make, you know, sign-on bonuses and more money. You know, like, even if it's, like, $5 more an hour, you know, that's $5 more an hour plus $25,000. So people are like, all right, I'm just working down the block, but see you later, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's been going back and forth. That's been going like, and that's the same in Georgia here. It's it's equally the same. Okay. Yeah, so um, listeners should the, know that you ended up moving to Georgia um, after mm-hmm. Florida. So that's- yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. Um, so yeah, like the whole Florida thing, um, it didn't pan out because when I was doing my fact finding mission, you know, to find a house. Now I was on the east coast of Florida. Um, a lot of the areas in the west coast were just there were telephone numbers. So I didn't bother getting a travel assignment there. That's why I went to the, uh, the east coast. Um, and you know, so I started. I got hooked up with a couple different. Um, uh, agents, you know, to show me around and stuff. And uh, I remember the first guy, you know, uh, was like, well, what's your price range? And I was like, you know, I have like one of those mortgage calculators. And at that time, because the interest rate was so low, I was like, well, you know, 500,000 range, you know, you know, from what we were making on the house, what I could put down, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's like, all right, well, if it's 500,000, then you, you realistically would kind of look in the $450,000 range He's like, because you're going to have to bid a minimum of $50,000 over the asking price. Otherwise, you know, and he's like, that doesn't even guarantee you're going to get that house. He's like, he's like, I've had people bid 75000 and get outbid. So I was like, oh, geez. So I was like, all right. Well, I was like, you know, show me some houses so I can look around. And he starts giving me these lists of houses. And I mean, like 1,300 square foot, you know, like no property it looked like a summer bungalow built in 1920 the thing was like <laughs> horrible and then like i'd go to these neighborhoods and like this one neighborhood i went in i'm like oh my god this is five hundred thousand dollars there is gang members walking around the street like this is like this is like i just went into a different country i'm like what the heck is going on in here you know it was just um i'm like yeah no i was like i'm like you know so i told him what i wanted he's like well if you want, you know, something with a little more land, because I was looking for, like, I had, like, almost an acre of property, so yeah. that's what I was kind of, like, looking for, something I could have my chickens and this and that, and blah, 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 and goats, and uh, he's like, oh, then you got to go to Lachachachi, or whatever, how you pronounce it, and, um, you know, even out there, it was, like, $600,000 for these homes, and they're fixer-uppers. I'm like, I just called my wife, I'm like, after, like, because she was coming down, for uh, a visit so um you know went ahead you know so we could look around in florida but i was already pre-looking and yeah. after like two weeks i was and i was driving all over the place so i'm like every chance i had i was all over the place 
And I was like, I, I called my wife, I'm like, honey, I'm like, this this isn't going to work down here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, and, you know, the, and like, the other thing was she, every town that we could, you know, kind of afford, like the, the school districts were just horrible, like absolutely horrible. And we went through a lot of disasters in the school districts in um, uh, the Longwood School District on Long Island. Uh, a lot of issues with our kids and, how, you know, with the mask. And they were just, like, my oldest son, like, you know, he's deaf. So these, these you know, he has cochlear implants, so he can hear, but not he doesn't hear like us, you know. Um, he was kind of like, I don't know, he changed. He was like this outgoing, like, funny kid. To all of a sudden, he's just quiet and reserved and, like, withdrawn, you know. Yeah. And then my, my middle guy started getting these anxiety issues. My daughter, she was like, ah, what mask can I paint? To, you know, probably like paint my mask. Today. She, she didn't care. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it affects all. The, it affects everyone differently. That's for sure. Differently, yeah. yeah but two out of three was like, yeah, you know, I, I can't. I, I need a good district. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had friends uh, that uh, were buying, and uh, I forgot the name of the town off the top. I think it was Bluffton, uh, South Carolina. And uh, so we, we figured, all right, we'll look there. We're looking at Aiken. Uh, before I even went to Florida, we already went to uh, what was it, Lexington? All these we went. We were all over the place. We were in uh, North Carolina looking at places, and they all required the vaccine at that time. So we kind of cut that out. Yeah. So my wife flies down, and we go on a fact finding mission. I had a uh, you know like a total of five days off, so. We just traveled, and we were everywhere. So, you know, this is where it actually, you know, the, the story actually comes good because everybody always asks me down here, like, what brings you to Georgia? I'm like, well, circumstances made me leave New York. God brought me to Georgia. And this, then this is how it wound up happening. After being to so many different towns and so much, like, everywhere we went, there was just issues. This one had power lines, and this one didn't, like, the school district. We went to one, and it was just like, as we pull up, all of a sudden, this cop just, like, tackles somebody and starts arresting somebody. My wife's like, we're not living here, remember? <laughs> just, like, like, everywhere we went, there was, like, an issue. And, you know, we were going all over. We did like uh, Bluffton. Bluffton was nice. But we couldn't find a house that, like, fit us. Like, the properties were too small. They felt like they were right on top of each other. No driveways, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're out to dinner. And our last place we were going to was Aiken, South Carolina, which is, like, on the uh, Georgia-South Carolina border, like, kind of, like, in the middle of the state. And, you know, we're in Bluffton, and we're talking to this uh, waitress, and uh, we're like, do you know anything about Aiken? She's like, oh, yeah, that's where we all have to go when, um, uh, you know, when we have to evacuate for the hurricanes. And all so many more, like, look at each other, like, evacuate? And she's like, yeah. She's like, it happens from time to time. She's like, it doesn't happen often, though. I'm like, not for nothing. You look kind of young. How many, you know, how many times did it happen to you? She's like, only three times in my life. I'm like, but, but how old are you? And she looked around to make sure no was looking. She's like, I'm 15. I'm like, I looked at my wife. So once every five years, we're going to have to pack up the dogs, the kids and everything and hope our house is there when we get back. I was like, yeah, no. Nah. That was like, that was like finally, I mean, the town was beautiful, but I, right away I started looking, I zoomed in on the, the, um, the Zillow maps or the Google maps, whatever. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, we're right on the water. <laughs> I was like, we're going to be really devastated. So, 
we drove the evacuation route to get to Aiken, and it was some of the most depressed areas in America I've ever seen. It was just, it was so much like, you know, just run down houses and just, it was so poor looking. And I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine this one road being our evacuation route. You know, uh, God forbid that we had to evacuate. So we get to Aiken, and some lady, you know, she we got there late. So she, you know, the realtor that we hooked up with showed us one house, and then, um, you know, gave us all, the list of all the other houses we wanted to look at. And we went to every one of these neighborhoods, and it was just ah, there was, there was just not like it just, there was nothing that was like, yay, this is us. I can't wait to move here. It was just like it felt like we were selling. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. So uh, we went, at this time, it was like, it was getting late, so we were hungry. So we went down, and I was like, oh, this, this town center was really cool, which it was. It was it had a cool town. Um, and we went to this place, because my wife's vegetarian, called the Mellow Mushroom. Uh, we walked into the building, and they're like, it's an hour and a half late. So I was like, ah, I can't wait. I'm started. So we started going to the other restaurants, and everyone was like, an hour late, an hour and a half late, blah, blah. We wound up coming back to the, the Mellow Mushroom, and at this point, you know, it was still a line like it was crazy, but we had to use the bathroom, so we went back in the Mellow Mushroom. And then we left, and then my wife is like, I, she's having, like, she's almost on the verge of a nervous, nervous breakdown, because she's just like, you know, where are we going? We, yeah. we already sold our house. We have to be out of our house by June 23rd. This is now... Um, the end of February, almost um, uh, March there, and we have nowhere to go, you know, and we have kids and we have dolls and, the, the, you know, so we're, like, talking out front, and she's, and she's like, I can see her starting to tear up. She's like, let's just go. And she was, we're leaving, and we're walking away, now nowhere. You know, she's wearing a white shirt, too. Boom, she starts getting a nosebleed. And she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, come back into the mellow mushroom. Go in the bathroom. She goes into the bathroom, and also I look at the bar, and I see two seats. I'm like, oh, can I eat there? So they're like, yeah. Sat right down, you know, start ordering the food and everything. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And out of nowhere, my wife comes out of the bathroom with this woman with a southern drawl and a, a cowgirl hat. And she's like... Tell, tell him what you told me. And she's like, well, she's like, I, I come from a town called Evans, Georgia. She's like, it's top-rated schools. People are very nice. Uh, you know, it's still reasonable to live there. So immediately, I'm like on Zillow looking at pictures, and I'm looking at these houses. I'm like, oh, my God, these things are like in the, you know, mid-300 range compared to everything else I was seeing. Right. I was like, you know, so... I mean, she plays like she literally was in my life, my wife's life for like ten minutes, my life for like five minutes. We just talked to her. She's like, "If you have any questions, I'll be right over here." It was like, and she had such a sweet voice and everything. And you know, so we're like on this thing. We hooked up with a realtor, like called the realtor, and you know, immediately we had an appointment for the next morning, looking at our first house. And that woman, literally, we never saw her again. Like, like we, we went to go find her and we just couldn't find her. You know, it was just like she was just poof, gone. You know, it was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those moments where, you know, God puts somebody on your path. Like, you know, for somebody to be in our lives for like that short period of time and affect our lives to the point where we're here now. Yeah. Um, by us coming here, uh, my sister-in-law, when I last spoke to you, moved to Delaware because originally they didn't need... Um, um, didn't require the vaccination and then all of a sudden they required it. So then she quit, you know, they were in the middle of 
like selling their house. They already had a buyer and everything. They had to take it off the market. And then um, they've been looking all around and finally they're like, you know what? We're coming to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, so now they're down here. They live four minutes away. Uh-huh. Um, when we're coming down here, my in-laws were like, all right, you know, that sounds good because they were retiring. So they needed a place where they could afford. So they bought a house outright um, in the next town over, which is like 10 minutes away. Awesome. So it's just like, yeah, it's just, you know, everything, you know, for a reason. It's like, it's it's amazing. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful house, manicured uh, property. Uh, although I got to do my bushes soon because it's, uh, <laughs> my house is like the one that looks bad. Um, you know, has a, a pool in the community, uh, you know, the sidewalks, kids play and ride their bikes. Like, when I was in New York, there were so many kids in my neighborhood, but you would never know it. Yeah. You never saw them. Never saw them. They're always playing video games. Out here, they're out, they're playing. You know, it's very family-oriented. You know, we already went to, like, the 4th of July. Uh, you know, and the you know the town had a, a display. It just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful town. Okay. People are so nice down here. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a different world. It's but at the like same time, when I drive down the road, I feel like I'm on Long Island, just not as much traffic because yeah. it still has the Walmart, it still has Target, Home Depot, Lowe's. It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I never left. Yeah, it's a little more, a little more human. <laughs> yeah, a little more human goes a long way. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, um, how's the staffing where you're working now? Are they still struggling with you know keeping keeping it together or? Yeah, so my my floor is doing good. Like you know, by them hiring me, uh, and they just they like before I got there, they just did a few hires. There's a couple of people coming off orientation, and I think they hired one more person. So we're gonna be good on staff for a bit. The ER, they were devastated there. You know, there's like you know, my wife uh, never worked in the ER before. Um, you know, she was uh, she did like bed surge telly floors. Um, in uh, the last three years, she's on radiology, but she's like, you know, I want, I want to try it. You know, she wanted a, you know, I, I, I was like laughing at first. I'm like, honey, are you sure? I'm like, I worked the year for two years. It's unforgiving. You know, it's yeah. like you're forever feeling like you're drowning. And she said, no, I want to do it. You know, so I was like, All right. so she goes ahead and applied for it, got the job right away. And uh, like the majority of people are there are all travelers. And the ones that are uh, not travelers are brand new nurses out of school. Yeah. So it's like nobody's like, you know, she wasn't getting the proper training that she felt she deserved, you know, but uh, she's still doing it. She's, and she's kicking butt. And one time she's just like, you know, went to a nurse manager and she's like, is there anybody you could put me with that has like, you know, any idea what the hell they're doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's like, Dawn, I'm sorry, but you are my most experienced nurse. And it's just like, that's your most experienced nurse, somebody who's been like, because radiology, anybody that knows nursing knows that, like, radiology nursing, whoops, my ear, but yeah. Um, the radiology nursing is like, it's a, it's a sweet gig, you know? And going from that sweet gig into, you know, pretty much the lines then, I mean, it's, again, everybody at that worst, you know, moment in their life, you know, some, you know, you'll have one person 
you know, gunshot wounds and the next person's blood pressure is tanking and you're like, hmm, they're both about to die. Which one do I see first? I know. You know, it's just yeah. like, it's like, you know, and then you get that one person, we do more payments and it's just like, oh my God. It's like, you don't stop. Yeah. I was like, it never stops, I'm sure. And I, I'm glad things are working out for you guys. I, I am scared for healthcare because it seems like it's a crisis no matter what state you end up in. Um, I'm just grateful that there are states where people like you can go and find employment because, I mean, for me, I, I would I would choose an experienced nurse any day of the week with, you know, broad spectrum, biologically engineered superior immunity to a novel virus <laughs> versus yeah. a, a vaccine. I mean, I, I don't care if you, if you need your life saved, if you need care immediately, you know, the choices have been made for us, unfortunately, by Kathy Hochul and by other, you know, unelected officials. Yeah, unelected <laughs> officials and elected, whatever the case may be, who have they're making our health decisions for us. I mean, I've talked to people up here who, you know, they, they've sat in ERs actively having a heart attack for over an hour. They've watched people come in by ambulance and sit there for an hour and a half. I talked to another nurse a few months ago who said they've had people dying in the ER of appendicitis because they have nowhere to put them. They have no, they don't have surgeons on that can can do an appendectomy right away. I mean, it's like we're heading into third world medicine here, and it's terrifying to me. And, and I just don't know what it's going to take to to get this on track. I mean, I know we struggle with staffing shortages pre-COVID, but I mean, this this has just taken it to the next level and it's it's scary to me. And I feel bad that we lost such a such a, a crew of talented people. I mean, your whole family, they're in healthcare. I mean, and you were you were forced out. I mean, it's I'm glad things are going well for you. I'm sad for New York because I know you're one family of many who've been forced out because of these, you know, completely completely criminal really policies you know it's it's a you truly are a victim of one of the largest crimes against humanity in my opinion and then all of us are who are at the mercy of short staffing because yeah well it's gonna get worse so uh, you know i i have a a dire look view on what's what's to come with health care you know um when people start dying like you know and you know mass uh you know, from the, the vaccines, you know, then like and people start looking at the hospitals, you know, for being, you know, complicit in all this. Um, and the fact that they're not getting that money anymore. You know, I don't think they get the same reimbursements anymore for the COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. Like the hospital I'm at right now, they had like, like so much of like the most state-of-the-art equipment now. And apparently they got it all within the last year or two. You know, I'm like, hmm, where do they get the money from? You know, it's just like, right. so, uh, and the same thing was going on with Stony Brook. Like, they were getting a lot of different things that were going on. Um, so, at some point, like, you know, this is going to fall in on them. Yeah. And, and, they, and I think they know it. Like, you know, and twofold. Like, one, um, you know, like with ivermectin, right? Um, I don't know if I sent it to you, but uh, I can send it to you. Um, if you want to, I don't know if you have a way of sharing it with your listeners. But uh, the National Institute of Health um, and you know uh, did studies on cancer and ivermectin, and I, I don't think it cures all cancers, but it cures so many cancers. Um, so, 
And ivermectin, you know, apparently cures COVID and it also cures the flu. So you're going to have a pharmaceutical nightmare where they're going to lose trillions of dollars. Their cash cow, the flu shot, that is useless. You know, they're not going to have the flu shot anymore because they're just get the flu, you get ivermectin, you're fine. You're not going to have the COVID shot anymore because you get COVID, you get ivermectin, you're fine. You're not going to have all these different operations and all these different um, uh, chemotherapies and all this other stuff because you're going to take ivermectin and you're going to be fine. You know, like when that like comes out, like there's a reason why they went after doctors like uh, Peter McAuliffe and stuff, you know, for, you know, talking about ivermectin. Yeah. Like, you know, when that that comes out, that's going to change that whole system and as people are no longer as sick as they were and realizing a lot of different things that they're, they were doing, you know, could be cured by stuff like ivermectin and other cures start coming out, they're going to be like, huh, why, you know, why do I feel so much better? Oh, that's why, because I'm not taking any pharmaceuticals anymore, you know, and it's just like, that's, that's going to change the field. And, you know, when the pharmaceuticals start losing billions upon billions just in cancer treatments, ugh, that, that, like, you're going to have whole hospital systems closing. I'm sure and, and, you know, you're just, you know, it, it's going to, the future of healthcare is going to be back to the way it was back in the 1800s when you had, I mean, back then you had doctors that would travel to your house, but you, you'll, you'll just have your urgent care clinics. You know, um, there's certain things that you'll you'll still need surgeries and stuff like that. I don't think they're gonna have these big mega hospitals like they you know they have now. I think that's going to change. It's going to take time. It's not going to be like an overnight thing. But in the next ten years, you know, with advancements in you know technology and understanding of you know drugs that are pennies on the dollar, it's going to change the whole field. So I hope you're right in all the ways that matter most. I hope that we see that happen because we, I would love to be put out of a job in that respect. That was the reason why I was out of a job because I people know. are healthy and living. I'd be cool with that. I know, I know. I'm sure you could figure out a way to to be a homesteader, make it happen. <laughs> yeah, chickens. I, you know, I, I, I've never had a problem. Like I put my mind to anything, and I've, you know, God's always got me through. Yeah. and uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm not stuff like that doesn't bother me. Yeah, you just... Oh, like things... Uh, I, I haven't even brought it up yet. Um, the uh, things God brought me through. Uh, winning my case against Stony Brook. Yeah, maybe um, you can bring our listeners up to speed on what that entailed. Yes, yeah, so apparently if you're a PEF nurse, which uh, that's our union, our Public uh, Employees Federation, um, we had it in our contract, certain things uh, labeled in our contract. And so what wound up happening... When we, they first put the order out, uh, July, I think it was 29th, uh, Como put the order, you know, made the executive order and it went through all these people with courts and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The order was only good to September 2nd. So, um, whatever, it got dragged through the courts. And then I think like September 17th, you know, there was a stay on the order. Like they couldn't even look at our religious exemptions until I think it was October 12th. And, um, you know, but apparently I was, uh, 
I got my religious exemption denial on October 5th. So right there, they looked at my uh, religious exemption, made a decision, and they made a decision without any transparency. To this day, I don't know who proved it or disapproved it or or denied it, I should say. Uh, I don't know what their religious beliefs are. I don't know what their biases are. I don't know, um, you know, what their experiences are. You know, I don't know if they're um, ever taking a class on the constitutional rights of, you know, uh, citizens and religious exemptions. I, I don't know any of that. Like, yeah. you know, and I, and I've asked over and over for my lawyer and I got, I never got it. You know, I never got that answer. And to this day, you know, when the next lawsuit comes, cause there's, there's going to be more lawsuits. Um, we just got to wait for the timing. Um, you know, it, it, we will win and I will get that answer. I will find my, I will accuse a person for, you know, denying me and now I'm going to go sue Stony Brook. I'm going to personally sue that person. And I'll take them. I don't care if, you know, how bad it is for them if they lose their house. You know what? I lost my house. Now it's your turn. You know, um, you know how dare you? You know, what? Because your, your company said that? You, you know, you should know the law before you, you, know, you, you know, trample on somebody's uh, constitutional rights in this country, yeah. you know, in my book. Um, but anyway, um, so I got suspended finally, uh, originally, you know, suspended without pay pending, you know, that law, um, that ruling by the New York State Federal Judge on September 27th. So technically, you know, my lawyer figured that I was suspended on um, an expired order. The order expired on September 2nd. Yeah. I got suspended on September 22nd. <laughs> when the state realized this, they re like, I got my denial on October 5th. I got a, a re-denial letter on October 15th. And like, it was like, all of a sudden, like, and so I called my boy, I'm like, uh, why, why am I getting these papers? They're like, oh, it's just a formality, blah, blah, blah. They just, you know, you know, they rewrote it, but it's basically the same wording. Um, you know, but she didn't really mention much more than that. And it was months later that she was just like, you know, you know, I think we actually have a case here because she's like, when they rewrote it, they, you know, then she, that's when she realized, that, you know, the order uh, expired on the 2nd. I got suspended on the 27th. And it's no longer on the 15th. They no longer wrote an order. They wrote a regulation that carries more weight. So now, and you can't do that, you know, it went against our um, contracted contract, you know. So um, it went to arbitration. Before my arbitration, I know there was, uh, I think there was three other people. Two of them won, one of them lost. Um, I don't remember their names, and I wouldn't say it anyway at this point, but... um, when I had my arbitration, I honestly thought I lost because like they wouldn't let me say anything. It was just like, it was, it was horrible. Like the whole situation was horrible. But at the end, you know, uh, that was March 23rd sometime in mid April. I got the letter saying that I won. Wow. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's um, amazing. You know, then then the reality came in. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a half year's payback and this and that, blah, blah, blah. But apparently in the contract, because of double dipping, um, any days that I worked on uh, what would have been a normal day of work, I had to subtract that money from that 
and you know, I did an affidavit of how much. So I, I it wound up being on the days I worked were a little off from like the days, so it wasn't too bad. But so they'll take about I think like eight grand from it. But um, when it's all said and done, I should still get a check. You know, after taxes, I'm estimating should be about thirty grand. Good. You know, and um, you know, but they won't tell me. Like, they kept on slow rolling this over and over and over again. Like, it was so bad. Finally, I got in touch with um, Senator Matera. He was yeah. the one that uh, did the press conference originally. Yeah. Uh, I always kept his number. I was like, hey, Mario. I was like, listen, this is what's going on. I'm like, I know I'm not in your district, you know, and I'm definitely not in your district now. I'm in Georgia. But I was like, um, you know, is anyone who can help me out with this? He called me up within, like, minutes. He's like, they still didn't pay you? <laughs> I was like, no. He's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, you know, he went off. He, he was just like, this, you know, the way they're treating you guys is just unfair. This is absolutely not. Uh, he's like, I'm going to have you call this guy, you know, give him this number. He's like, give him like five minutes. I want to give him, get him up to speed. So I, I, I didn't get a chance to call this guy. He wanted to call me. And then, uh, you know, he took down some information that night, I got a call from the, the head of the New York State Comptroller's office. Um, this guy, Mike, uh, I forgot his last name. Oh, anyway, he called me up. He's like, so, uh, yeah, uh, Mario, Materia, uh, Senator Materia called me and told me you're having some issues. Uh, and he wound up calling me like 9 o'clock. He's like, I'm sorry, I was at a dinner. But, you know, he's like, uh, you know, um, what, what's going on? So I told him. He's like, all right, I'll look into it for you. So he... He finally got back to me, and he's uh, so, and this was like in the beginning of August, and he's like, "All right, you know," he's like, it, "It's all settled. They're gonna cut you a check." Um, and but the way the New York State does it, when they do cut the check, it's the first of the month or the middle of the month, and it's like the middle, you know, it's the or second Wednesday or whatever, however it goes. He's like, "So it's gonna be that time." And so I was like, "All right," just out of curiosity, how much am I getting? He's like, I'll be honest, he's like, because of, you know, whatever rules, I'm not allowed to know. Um, but I just know that, you know, I was able to get it, you know, moving and, uh, you know, got you approved. So, awesome. yeah, yeah, it's pretty I good. Just, I can't believe the amount of abuse you and so many others have taken. I mean, it's absolutely criminal what was done to so many yep. of you. And I mean... The UUP nurses got it the worst. Like, I'm telling you, they... They got they got the shaft and uh, like royally got the shaft. Like I, I feel horrible. Like they they're not even get because my sister in law was UUP, so she didn't even get anything. You know, like uh, it was just you're fired. Sorry, yeah. you know. And even like now, like you know, the CDC. Like uh, somebody told me today that CDC. I, I don't know the exact wording, so don't quote me on this. But something along the lines of they're they're viewing vaccinated and unvaccinated equally now, or something. Yeah. 100%. Um, so technically, okay. So everybody should get their job now. <laughs> you, yeah, know? you would think, yeah, ba basically, yeah, no more screening, no, no more, you know, if you've been exposed, no more quarantine. I mean, basically everything that would have made sense a year and a half ago, they're admitting, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing now. And so, yeah, exactly to your point. So start hiring these people back yesterday. And again, because, you know, the CDC guidance that came around, I think it, I want to say it was around February, it all blurs together, but 
stating that healthcare workers could return to work even if they were COVID positive, if they were vaccinated. I mean, right then and there, it should have been the end of it. Like, this is madness. This is absolute mm-hmm. madness. And you can't, it's, you know, follow the psyops because, you know, science left the building a long time ago. There's nothing about this that makes any sense at all. So my heart breaks. Thank God that you guys caught a housing market at a time where you could sell your house. I can't imagine. Oh, you know, my God. We, we just got by, but like, like we got in, uh, you know, because of the interest rates went up. Like, all of a sudden, we were like, all right, we do it for five hundred thousand. Yeah. All right, now four fifty. All right, now we're at four. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, kind of, you know, because of the interest rate, like, like we fell in love with this house, so we, we just went for it. But, uh, you know, it wound up being because the interest rate a little higher than we wanted to pay. But yeah, yeah. we were able to wipe out our bills and stuff like that with the sale of the last house. And goodbye, New York. As soon as I got here, I immediately changed my license to Georgia. Because one thing I learned, you work as a nurse in another state with a New York state license. Now you have to pay that state's like ah uh, taxes. You now have to pay New York state the tax too. Oh really? So oh, yeah. So God. me and my wife immediately changed our license. <laughs> I screw you, New York. You're done. Wow, you know? that's mad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, I learned that uh, the first first time I ever did a travel assignment. <laughs> Excuse me. I was like, wow. I was like, oh, that's crazy. That oh, and crazy. um, one thing also I want to say about um. You know, uh, the nurses, another thing that's like madness. I don't know what, you know, the exact numbers are now, but it was like two or three weeks ago, I actually caught, caught wind of one of those, um, we called it the hopeless report, but uh, Sarah, uh, Carolyn Santora called it the hope report at Stony Brook. And it was saying, you know, how many vaccinated staff were out sick with COVID. And it was like something like 51, you know, nurses or staff were out sick with COVID. I'm like, these are fully vaccinated, some boosted, yeah. out sick with COVID when it's hot out. At a time when, like, usually after May, there is no cases, none, zero, zilch. You never hear of the flu. It's gone. It's a virus. It doesn't exist in the heat. Yet here we are in the summertime. And they got 51 people out of COVID. Come on, people, wake up. Think about that. I know, I know. Like, it's, that's it's... just like beyond, <laughs> like, I know. if you can't see that, and like, when I, t- when I try to explain this to people, they're like, uh, but, you know, you know, I got COVID and, you know, I was vaccinated, but, it, you know, it wasn't really that bad. I was like, how do you know it was because of the vaccine or that it was, I don't know, not that bad for the non-vaccinated because it was just an, like the Omicron or something. Nobody had it bad. You know, know. just it's, like... You, uh, the mental uh, gymnastics you have to perform to, to, you know, give any validity to this nonsense is just exhausting. <laughs> but what I love about down south, Florida, here, I mean, I see doctors walking around, no mask. Like, yeah. proudly, just walking. Yeah. I, me too. Like, we don't, like, in my heart, we only have to wear the mask when we get within uh, six feet of the patient. They want us to just put up the mask. But half the times when people put it up, it's not even on. If it's like hanging off their nose, it's, like, it's just, it's for show and people know it. It's over. Yeah. It's done. 
people are done. It's over. And they're coming out with the mock monkey pox. It's like, yeah. I got a shirt that says donkey pox, you know, with a picture of the uh, um, <laughs> Democrat that. donkey. It says well, the disease destroying America. <laughs> I have I have seen that one, too. And uh, now, yeah, I mean, it's, it's and I, we only have a few minutes before we have to wrap up, but it is... It is concerning that the overall death rate is up 30% in the United States and elsewhere, but a 10% increase would be considered catastrophic, and we're at 30. And then there's particular age groups, like 18 to 49, that are experiencing a 40% increase in deaths, which, again, is four times what would be considered catastrophic. So it's over. You know, it's, you know, this, this craziness that we've come through, and yet... I think we've got some sad days ahead of us. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I, I can't imagine what's being seen in hospitals, people coming in with conditions that, you know, <laughs> they, they didn't have before. Yeah, I, I agree. So I've been, you know, hearing of nurses back east. I won't say anything because I know certain people will listen to us and will know. Um, but some crazy cancers, like crazy, you know, just... I just keep telling people, ivermectin, hopefully it helps with, you know, if you took the vaccine and you get cancer, but like, you know, young people, you know, people with, you know, healthcare workers with children, young children that yeah. are not having a good outcome, uh, yeah. won't have a good outcome, I should say. Um, my next door neighbors, they were so liberal, like, you know, like to the point that it was like, I, I mean, we were always fine, you know, we never really brought up politics. But I remember, like, you know, my original neighbors before I moved to that last house, um, you know, they got both vaccinated. And within nine months of their vac- both getting vaccinated, he now has a brain tumor and she has esophageal cancer. You know, so it's like, and, you know, it's again, they're, they're low 70s. Could it happen? Absolutely. They're 70 years old. And that's what everybody says. Like, well, yeah, they're old, you know. But yeah, but. That wasn't really? the excuse with COVID, though. Oh, they're old. You know, they're mute. No, it was, we're going to lock you in your houses and your children will not see the light of day because, you know, but now people are dropping. Oh, well, they were in their 70s. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, unfortunately, these soft tissue cancers, the strokes, the aneurysms, this is all stuff that so many doctors were trying to warn about that they thought would would be the result of these experimental shots that basically took spike protein and attached it to a replicating, you know, mRNA technology. So it's it's heartbreaking that people were not informed. It's heartbreaking that now there's nine pages of adverse side effects of special interest that Pfizer finally released and single single space nine straight pages. I mean, it's just it, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And I'm so glad that you're your story is on the upswing. I'm so glad that you stood by your convictions, and I, I really, um, you know, just pray for so many others like like you and like your family who have been through so much. I mean, it's absolutely horrible what you were put through. So I, I truly hope it's better days ahead for you. And uh, we do have a few more minutes. So if there's anything you'd like to leave our listeners with as a closing message, please feel free to do that. Um, the only thing I want to say is like, this is like off topic, like, you know, again, with the vaccines, like, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, one of those ones where it's like, there's something coming, you know, and you know, this, there's a reason for all this. Don't know what it is yet, but I remember before I went to Florida, I've seen all these videos pop up of these, um, like, uh, almost like UV lights, you know, like if you're in like a dance club and like, uh, you know, like 
you know, uh, your, your smile, your teeth glow, like, yeah. uh, black, black lights. lights. Yeah. yeah. So hearing these are popping up on all these freeway systems all over the country, California, some, you know, all over the place. When I was driving down to Florida, that was a long stretch of I-95 that had those lights. And that was, that kind of creeped me out because it didn't help you see. No, <laughs> it didn't. No. All of a sudden, like, you, you'd see great, you got these bright white lights, you're like, ah, and all of a sudden these lights came and all of a sudden it was like hard to see. Yeah. And you're driving through, you're like, this ain't right. And uh, there was a couple sections like that. I could send you the video of it this way. You can see what I was talking about, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, it's creepy. You know, um, something's coming, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, with the, you know, the political, you know, poop storm that's coming with everything that on the radar, Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, Durham, you know, unsealing all those indictments, like, something's coming you know there's you know i i just tell people be prepared like you know i make sure i got like six months of food i gotta get more water out here so you know, georgia gonna need more water yeah, um great. i don't think anything's gonna whatever's gonna happen I, I don't think it's gonna happen more than three months if it does we're all screwed but yeah. you know just for you know yeah i just tell people just just be prepared yeah. get some extra uh food in the house water um, work to, you know, start talking to your neighbors, you know, find out, you know, who your friends, you know, that's how humanity got to be this big, you know, throughout, you know, um, the years because we work together. Yeah. So, uh, you know, don't worry if they're Democrat or Republican, feed each other, help each other, you know, just, uh, we're going, we're going to be going through some turbulent times and it's not over yet. It's going to get worse before November. Um, but I think by December, you're really going to figure out and you'll know exactly why everything happened the way it happened. Well, so. I hope you're right. We'll have to reconvene after that and see, <laughs> see yeah. where we're at. Yeah, it's, it's a wild time to be alive. That's for sure. And I, I'm just very grateful for people like you who, who stood up and who questioned and who, you know, were not willing to just cower in the face of what really is just total overreach so thank you for that because it's encouraging to me it's encouraging to so many other people and i hope that in hearing your story others will be encouraged too because um you know freedom isn't free and sometimes we do have to make sacrifice to stand up and say you know no this you have absolutely no authority over my life you have absolutely no no right to take what's rightfully mine you know your bodily autonomy is rightfully yours you know your profession is is rightfully yours so i'm glad that you're you're blessing people in georgia with your talent um i'm sorry that we lost your family and you to another state but i'm glad that things are going well so um i've got to wrap up just because our time is is just about out but thank you so much for sharing with us tom and I, i just wish you guys all the best and for everyone listening, I just hope that you'll take time to, um, you know, really look into what Tom had to say and the insights that he has, the perspective that he has. And, and thank you so much for being with us tonight. So thank you all for listening and we'll look forward to talking to you soon.